Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. once again for the broadcast. We are dealing with a question that uh, needs to be answered, needs to be understood. Who is God's true family? And we have stated a number of times over that the true family of God is is found in those that are in the faith of Christ Jesus. So the Christian world, of course, is God's family. Whether, uh, wherever origin the people may have been, as far as where they're from, their bloodline or whatever, uh, today God has made the uh, all people to come uh, come into obedience to his son, Jesus Christ, for salvation. He has called for that to be done and uh, through the apostles preaching 2,000 years ago. 
So, um, mankind is, is uh, by the way, this is the February the 4th of 2024, as we have entered another month of this new year. And as we look around and look out, mankind seems to have the same question today as they have had continuously from, as they say, time and memorial. And that is, who is it that God will save and be pleased with? Uh, most people, regardless of their language or, or their background, have a thought of a creator. They are motivated to be pleasing to their creator. We have a, a, a something within us that realizes that we are uh, a created being, that we do have a creator, and uh, regardless of the language or whatever that we might find around the world. And that's the question <clears throat> that we have. If we would read God's book to mankind, it's known as the Bible. And by the way, the Bible is available in every language that is known, as far as I, I know, in, in one for, a way or another. There may be some that have never seen it. I'm not sure. But typically, it, it is available. In the world we live in, it's the most published book ever and continues to be. But he has answered the question in the book that he has given man to know him, to know his ways and to be obedient to him. And, and to answer the question, who is it? And how can one be pleasing to him? And who can be in his family? But of course, like everything else, who, who is it in this world that ever reads the instructions first? Uh, we always go on ahead uh, without really preparing ourselves. And that's what we find today in many ways. No, mankind has always been convinced that he can arrive and know the answers, uh, the answer to the question by his own abilities, his own conclusions, etc., etc. Yet there seems to be much stumbling in the dark on this road to know God's will by mankind leaning on his own understanding. Thus, we have thousands of ways to please God according to mankind. Nearly everything that you could think has been touched upon and, and believed one place or another. when there has always been, according to his word, just one, just one thing. The writer of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, we have a very clear answer to this issue concerning God and man. Hebrews 11, 6. 
It says that apart from faith, that is the faith that an individual has, it is impossible to please well. For it behooveth him who is coming to God to believe that he is, and to those seeking him he becometh a rewarder. And of course that chapter goes on to demonstrate through one illustration after another of faithful people from the past, Noah and Abraham and on and on it goes. Believing. Believing that God is. And of course that would be believing in the things that he has said. The things that are true. It's always been the same mission of man from Adam and Eve to the sons that they had that they were to believe to believe God, what he said, to hold it as truth. And of course, we found that even though there was only four living humans in the world, we found that they didn't truly believe what God said, and they certainly did not do what he said. Now, before you get upset with these four, just remember the things that you have done. But this is the issue, and that's why God has sent a Redeemer to deal with the fact that we are not always faithful, but we need to be. And we have every reason to be. I believe that believing that God is, believing his word is the very beginning of wisdom, I believe, as the Psalms and the Proverbs say in numerous different ways. But it is, as the scripture says, apart from faith, it is impossible to please well the subject of this, and that is the Father in heaven. So we we are where we have been. We have covered much material concerning this in uh, various parts of the scriptures. Um, finding out and exploring how God dealt with different people from, from one time to another from one covenant to another, and finding that his consistency is is a real a real substance for that faith that we should have in him. That's what we find. We've been looking at Galatians chapter three, um, and I think we're going to uh, read just a few verses of that today to the end of the chapter starting with verse 15, and then we'll make discussion about that and deal with a couple of other passages in the Scripture that are necessary for us to uh, add in here. So, Galatians 3, verse 15, we're using the Young's literal translation, in case you're following in that way or just want to be aware of it. Um, 
we have great we have good confidence in the translation. <clears throat> so as it it begins this way, brethren, as a man I say it, even of a man a confirmed covenant, no one make void or doth add to. So he's talking about covenants there about the fact that they really are a very solid institution, if you will. Once a covenant is made, additions and subtractions are will void that covenant. These things are agreed to beforehand. And thus we find this in the Scriptures. Verse 16, And to Abraham were the promises spoken, and to his seed, he does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, a covenant confirmed before by God to Christ, the law, that came 430 years after, doth not set aside to make void the promise. Now, we've spoken about this many times. The promise was given through the covenant, the promise of the, the seed, the Redeemer, and the addition of the law was for their for the good of those within that covenant so they could know God better and know what pleased and displeased Him. By the way, it seems, <clears throat> seems to me like, like God really does care about grammar in His writings, doesn't He? That's very obvious. <laughs> That's very obvious. So, it doesn't, this is the issue. It's clear that the addition of the law did not void the promise or anything that had been promised through the covenant. Does it make it more difficult uh, to understand as far as all the the uh, the law and the regulations. Well, yes, it's, it's very technical in many ways. Um, not that we live under the law today, but to know what they did for the reasons they they did them. God had a reason for all these things. It was preparing them for the kingdom that was coming, the new covenant. Verse 18 says, For if by law be the inheritance, it is no more by promise. But to Abraham, through promise, did God grant it. And this is where the Jews lived 2,000 years ago. They thought by the obedience to the law, they were worthy of God's promise. They had forgotten that the promise was first. That their technical, litigious society that they had uh, added to what God had given them was a real problem for them. But it was not obedience to the law that brought the promise. It began with the faith of Abraham. You see, the faith issue is always always there. If Abraham would not have been faithful, he would not have been the one that received the promise. 
All right. Okay. Let's, um, where did we leave off here? Verse 19. Why then? The law. Good question. On account of the transgressions, it was added, till the seed might come to which the promise had been made, having been set in order through messengers in the hand of a mediator. Oh, just a lot of history right there in that one verse. This was God's way. This is why it was done. It needed to be done. But there would come a time where it says, till the seed might come. A change of circumstance. I think of the uh, Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. Jesus was preparing the Jewish people for the, the, the times they were a-changing, in other words. They, those things that he was talking about was something that they needed to be concerned with. He wasn't going over the, the Ten Commandments and the regulations to remind them of all of these things. That's not what he was speaking about. Matthew chapter 5. He told them what would make them settled in their spirit. The true happiness, if you will. All the things that would be theirs through actions that are pleasing to God. Everything in the Beatitudes, as we know them, are those things that are pleasing to God that man is involved in. That's what it's about. That's what Jesus uh, began, nearly began his ministry with. Very early on, these things were, were proclaimed. And Neil, correct me if I'm wrong, but most, most, of, most of that was directed at the Jewish population, correct? Oh, yes. That's, that's who was mostly in attendance in the audience. Yes, this was in Palestine. This was uh, the land of the Jews. Uh, and, of course, Jesus spent most of his time amongst the Jews. Every now and then he spoke to the Samaritans and a few folks along the way. But remember, he came for the covenant people of God. The promise was made to them, and they received the promise first. And they also received all of the information first. That was the way it was to be. Because he was one of them. And that history shouldn't be a threat to anyone now. It's just history now. It shouldn't be. You're, you're right. Uh, it, it's history. It's history that we need to understand so that we can really get a grip on the truth of, of the whole issue, the circumstances of God's covenants and, and the things that are pleasing and displeasing to him. And where we're at, we need to know wh- what we should do now, today. That's what it's about. All right. Go back to Galatians um, 20. And the mediator is not of one. And God is one. The law, then, is against the promises of God? That was the question. Let it not be, 
You see, there's nothing wrong with the law. It, it would in no way violated the, the covenant. These are things that were pleasing to God. These are things he required. So obviously they were in no way going to change the promise. So the idea of putting the law aside because of the Christ became a real issue with the Jewish people. And yet they had to understand that the law was for the infant. Just as we raise our children today, we teach them the basic things. We teach them right from wrong. We teach them the law of the land, if you will. That when they're full grown, they will not have questions in this. They will not fall into traps. For if a law was given that was able to make alive, truly by law there would have been the righteousness. You see, the law did not make, did not give men the life that Christ brought. It did not bring that. But if it would have, then righteousness would have came through the law. But you see, the scripture teaches that God has brought righteousness unto man uh, apart from the law. Out of the law, as it should say. God has made a righteousness apart from the law. A friend of ours from uh, that is now passed on wrote a book all about that. Righteousness apart from the law. Ron McRae made a wonderful illustration of it, showing the the, the trueness and, and the wonderfulness of the new covenant. Righteousness is found through Christ. He sanctified us on the cross made us worthy through his blood to be children of God. This is the message of the gospel. All right. So that issue of righteousness is an important one here. And it was not a part of the law. Men lived, men and women lived under the law. They were lawful. They were obedient to God under the law. He wanted their heart to be open and soft to him. He wanted them to be forgiving and everything else along with understanding the promise. They were on the road. And that's why the new covenant, friends, is, as it says in Hebrews, better a better covenant than the old because it has better promises. First off, we have the fulfilled promise of the first covenant along with the better promises that follow those that are in Christ. Verse 22, But the writing did shut up the whole under sin. And the writing, of course, is the Scriptures, the Law and the Prophets. That the promise uh, through faith of Jesus Christ be given to those believing. So Paul's bringing out the, the truth of the matter once again early on. That the promise through faith uh, in 
in faith or out of faith, right, out of faith, out of faith of Jesus might be given to those believing. But you see, faith comes first. Not that the promise wasn't available, but it's available to those through faith, out of faith. Verse 23, um, and before the coming of the faith, now remember when you see the, the, uh, the uh, direct um, article in front of the, the word faith, remember that this is the faith. Um, this is the faith in God's redemption plan through his son Jesus Christ. And all the promises of the new covenant. That's the faith. That's Acts 2. Acts chapter 2, the pivot point. And before the coming of the faith, under law we were being kept. Shut up to the faith about to be revealed. See, it was about to be revealed. Of course, it, it had been revealed at the writing of this, this letter. And Young does a wonderful job of of uh, dealing with the word mellow here. Instead of wa- uh, watering down the, the, the issue here, he makes it very clear. It's about to be revealed. The faith. It's about to be full grown. And they were in the process of it at that very time. Verse 24 so that the law became our child conductor. Remember when I said that the law was for the the infant. Child conductor to Christ, that out of faith we might be declared righteous. And the faith, having come, no more under a child conductor are we. For you... Now, these last verses are very powerful, 26 through 29. For you are all sons of God through the faith in Christ Jesus. As Alex was saying, the the grammar, God is all about grammar. Of course he is. This language and the grammar of it tells us everything we need to know about this. It's all there. For as many as to Christ were baptized did put on Christ. There is not here Jew or Greek. There is not here servant or freedman. There is not here male and female. For all you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are of Christ, then of Abraham you are seed and according to promise heirs the message of the cross the message of God's redemptive plan of reconciliation for man it's all right here in these four verses three verses and as 
as you are speaking those words, I'm remembering when David used to always say that what we're talking about here is the things that we put into action as individuals, not things that come to us in some sort of a mysterious way that nobody can really understand. It's all understandable. We have to move towards it. We have to get in the jar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not going to come and get into us. In the jar or in the cradle of faith. Right. Um, and all of these things that you're that you're you know concluding with are all actions taken by people who want to be with the Father, who want to please Him. We should be able to see that in the writing, shouldn't we? Um, because the act of our faithful seeking after yeah. is is a is an action that, that we take. Like you say, it doesn't just come to us. Uh, climbing the mountaintop won't really help. It's a, it's a mental thing. This was, of course, the preaching of uh, the, the restored church uh, in America. The the preaching that they that, that they promoted was that Christendom 250 years ago declared that unless you had some sort of a spiritual uh, visitation, calling, or some sort of uh, a very powerful encounter that you could that you could share with others, you had not been chosen. Now that that was the way it is, and and they would vote on whether or not your encounter was up to snuff, as they say. Yeah, and how many individuals have been involved in that tragedy? And it's tragic on both sides. Being rejected, you think, would be terrible. Uh, but, you know, I think being accepted, especially when you made the story up to start with, later on down the road, you're going to start to worry about being a liar. Right on. That is man's religions. And they're useless because they're not of faith. So we we find here the great truth of the, of the of the apostle as he teaches us concerning um, the the law the covenant the first covenant and the law and the fulfillment of that covenant through the seed the redeemer of God Jesus of Nazareth the son of God and now the gospel is being preached here to the churches in Galatia so. Through Israel then came the seed, man's redeemer. This was the process that God put in place. And there is no argument there whatsoever. Jesus of Nazareth respected that as he went to those people with God's, uh, with God's plan, with his work, that would purchase the new covenant through through uh, in his blood. 
he went to those people, even though he was rejected in large part. He went to them for this, for this was God's promise to Abraham for the, for the descendants of Abraham. Thus, salvation is truly out of the promise made to Abraham and continued unto all Israel's people. They were those that benefited by the promise. First, as the scripture says, the Romans says, Romans chapter 1 and 1 and 2 speaks of to the Jew first and then the Gentile. That's God's order, not ours. That wasn't the apostles' idea that they'll, they'd just go to the Jews first and then if they had time, they'd go to the Gentile. No. None of this had anything to do with men's uh, plans, men's or organizing. This was all the work of God as we find it. Also, as the scripture is very clear that we've been reading, Christ is now the Redeemer to all mankind calling upon his name. And by the way, that's just not an empty statement. Calling upon the name of Jesus the Christ. Saul, before he was baptized, was told to call upon the name of Christ. Calling upon his name and be baptized. And thus he did exactly that. We do so in faith and obedience to God's terms of pardon. You see, we can't separate calling upon the name of, of Christ for our salvation without being obedient to God's terms of pardon, which are the things that the scriptures have concerning the Christ, concerning what the apostles taught, the establishment of the faith, if you will, the body of Christ. This is what is meant by being obedient to the to the God's terms of pardon. Let's look at um, Acts 17, as as the Apostle Paul was traveling on a missionary journey. Um, I believe the the second one. Um, he was in Athens, and he went to the uh, Mars Hill. And Mars Hill can be seen from the can be seen from the uh, uh, the ocean outside of Athens and Piraeus. You can look up into the into the landscape and you can still see the remnants of Mars Hill. He was up there preaching to the scholars and the learned of Athens and, and the area. And he had been preaching and telling them about the, the as they had a statue amongst their thousand of gods. Yes, he was he was saying that they were very religious. They were. They, they, had, a, they had a thousand gods. They even had a statue to the god that they didn't know the name of yeah, yet. Yeah, the unknown god. Which was very astute of them. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> all your bases. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Practical they were. Yeah, in Acts 17, there towards the end of his speaking to them, verse 29 through 31, 
Paul says this. All right. Being therefore offspring of God, we ought not to think that God had to be like gold or silver or stone, graven of art and device of, of men. The times indeed, therefore, of the ignorance God having overlooked, doth now command all men everywhere to reform. There's a lot said in verse 30 there. God's attitude and judgment towards those before. The ignorance that came before the Messiah, before the Redeemer, before the seed had came into the world, doth now, but now he's turned it, doth now command all men everywhere to reform. And by the way, by the context, the word all, in this context, showing that it truly is is all men everywhere to reform or repent, as we know the word better. Very true. Is what this one says. Yeah, should repent. It's. Let me see. Yeah. To repent. Yeah, the the mankind, mm-hmm. all. Everywhere. Yeah. And the word for man yeah. is. Is uh, is the man is the word the Greek word for mankind? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's it's got it's got its own it's got its own article. It does. The, the in other words. You know, clarification. It's an it's an emphasis on on mankind, the mankind, all the entirety of it. That's right. The mankind, all. The mankind, the entirety of it is a good way to say. And then all, of course, everywhere. Yeah, in all places. Okay. So everywhere, making it clear that those outside of that first covenant are also included in this command of God repeated here to the Athenians uh, by the Apostle Paul. They were being called, all right, to the unknown God. And he goes on. That was verse 30. And now he explains it this way. Because In other words, because of what he just said, this is the reason. Because he did set a day in which he is about to judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he did ordain, having given assurance to all, having raised him out of the dead. And of course, those that were listening to Paul at this time when the the mention of resurrection or someone being raised from the dead um, caused a great emotional upheaval amongst those learned in Athens at the time. But you know, they still wanted to hear more because they say, we will hear thee again concerning this. They needed to mull this around a little bit. 
But you see, some of them, even then, some of them came to him and did believe at that very time. Just what he said. Pretty short, pretty short lesson there to them. Probably didn't take him more than 15 minutes. But they turned. He turned the world around for him. I I forget where Paul talks about how, how to the Jew he became a Jew and to the Gentile he became a Gent and right. so on. And that's what he does here. That's what he these does. are extremely highly intellectual people. I mean, the greatest scientists of their time. Yeah. And philosophers, and philosophers and of you know very very intelligent. And he does it, everything he can to appeal to them in their world. He uses their own vernacular, their own yeah. thinking pattern, and, and and an argument, and he puts forth things in an order that it's unescapable. Yeah. This is a conclusion in verse 31. By the way, not to mention that to what he has said, they were also highly involved in shipping and traveling all over the known world as well, and. That's you know, right. So this was being spread from that place. This was uh, one of the, the, the three big areas in the world, of course. Uh, there was also uh, uh, Egypt, uh, Alexandria, but, but Rome, uh, Athens, and Jerusalem, and, and Alexandria were the, the hub of civilization, if you will. And, and commerce and all things learned and, and known. This was the fact of, of life then. But you know, this is what the apostle preached. But the apostle Peter, we're going to read from First Peter now. The apostle Peter makes it clear that the prophets of old, who were also Jewish men, of course, knew of the blessing of Christ or the seed that was to come upon all men, not just the covenant people of Abraham. Okay? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 3. Doesn't seem to be enough time in the day to get these lessons done. But I'm going to read this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 12. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to the abundance of his kindness did beget us again to a living hope through the rising again of Jesus Christ out of the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiable and unfading reserved in the heavens for you who in the power of God are being guarded through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. By the way, they were living in the last time, so this was a relevant statement. In which you are glad, a little now, if it be necessary, being made to sorrow in manifold trials that the proof of your faith, much more precious than of gold that is perishing, and through the fire being approved, may be found to praise and honor and glory 
in the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom not having seen yet you love, in whom not only not now not seen and believing you are glad with joy unspeakable and glorified, receiving the end of your faith, salvation of souls. Now in verse 10 he turns to a little different topic to to put a real stamp of, of uh, uh, well, understanding upon what he has just said. Concerning which salvation seek out and search out did prophets who concerning the grace towards you did prophesy. Now he's going back to those that have prophesied in, in the writings. Searching in regard to what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ that was in them was manifesting, testifying beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory after these, to whom it was revealed. Now, God revealed this to the prophets, and they knew this. To whom it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering these, which now were told to you through those who did proclaim the good news to you in the Holy Spirit sent from heaven to which things messengers do desire to bend looking. This is a powerful scripture, and I... I know I read it many times before I had a true understanding of the gravity of what is being said here. We talked about last week and the week before the mystery of God revealed. Well, this is what the prophets were searching. They they knew that something, what they were prophesying, that would come upon their people in in the end of the uh, end of their days was a mystery and 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 the and the things concerning that mystery were were a glorious issue if you will they wanted to look upon it e- even the angels that's right even the angels even the messengers desire and bend looking. In other words, this is of interest to the spiritual kingdom also. God's work. God kept this a secret. So today, the secret's been revealed. We should not be wandering and stumbling in the dark trying to figure out what it is that the Creator wants. And we pray that these things that we've been saying will take you down that road a long ways. And you'll be able to help help others too. <coughs> because the search, friends, is on. The search for the things of God is on every day, every moment of every day. This is who men are. This is what mankind truly is. Now we'll get to some of the other things 
being said in uh, chapter three of Galatians that we didn't uh, we haven't finished with yet. But I wanted to bring this up. We're going to stop here. And when I'll leave you with the question: Are not these the people of God, the believing ones? Are not they the ones that God has that are pleasing to God? that are sharing in the promise? Well, yes, I believe they are. For in Christ, we receive the promise and become heirs, as the Scripture says. We pray that you have a blessed week to come as you are busy about your task for the Lord. And we pray you be with, join us next week at the appointed time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.